Bibles, if you would, to two places. We're going to be starting in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and then we're going to be flipping over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, and then to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So that's, you know, that's why I think the the, uh, people who make Bibles put those little ribbons in there so that you can move around quickly and not lose your place. But anyway, two weeks ago we started talking about God's timetable for the end times. And those of you that know me know that I, uh, I, I, I look forward to the <clears throat> to the rapture, but it's something that I try I try not to consume myself with. Um, <clears throat> there are Christians today that are absolutely consumed with the rapture and trying to figure out when it's going to happen. In fact, I, I, I read an article uh, this week uh, on the Internet uh, that a former astronaut, I forgot his name, uh, wrote a book and sold millions of copies. Literally, I think it was two, two or three million copies of this book. Uh, and when the, the Lord didn't come, uh, when he predicted, he wrote another book. And he's, he's written... He's written, I, I think, four or five consecutive books, and the, the number of copies sold keeps going down. I can't imagine why. Uh, <clears throat> we do not know. The Bible is very, very clear. No man knows when the rapture is going to, to occur. <clears throat> but we still have people that are absolutely consumed with it. And then we have we have Christians that are absolutely nonchalant that could care less about it, and I think that that's a, just as wrong an attitude as the other. And there's a balance there, and God clearly puts the end times in Scripture for us to learn to study, um, and there has to be a reason for it. And the the reason is not so that we can try and ca- guess the date, but the reason is people need the Lord. And Second uh, <clears throat> Timothy uh, chapter two, or excuse me, chapter three. Second Timothy chapter three. Uh, let's start reading in verse one. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now, obviously, this is talking about the end times. This is talking about more than likely the time leading up to the rapture. So this is a this is a a portion of scripture that God's given us to understand the potential days the 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 days leading up to the rapture. Okay, that's a, this at least this is my understanding of this portion of scripture. Verse number two: For men shall be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those 
that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, and uh, from such turn away. So, <clears throat> again, this is this is a portion of scripture that is identifying attitudes or characteristics that will be prevalent in the days leading up to the rapture. Now, does all of that sound like today? Absolutely it does. I want to very quickly go through and identify the majority of these of these things. Some of them are self-explanatory, but I want to kind of fine-tune what some of these some of these things mean. Um, men shall be lovers uh, of their own selves. That's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, if there's ever been a time in history where that's true, it's today. <clears throat> uh, covetous uh, literally means lovers of money. People that are consumed with money. Uh, boasters, uh, uh, people who are arrogant, proud. And the, the idea here, proud, is... It is it, we understand what the word proud means, but the, the the intent of this word means that it is in excess. They are they are so prideful it is it is just oozing out of them. Boy, doesn't that sound like today? Blasphemers, uh, people that just we we tend to think of this word of blasphemers in the in the context of God, but it it, it goes further it goes it goes beyond that just people that have abusive speech is that not prevalent today uh, disobedient to, to parents the the word disobedient there carries the idea of having no respect to parents that also is prevalent today unthankful or ungrateful unholy or wicked without natural affection the, the idea of this phrase without natural affection is interesting because it gives the idea with uh, uh, without love for family, uh, a child to a parent, a parent to a child. That, that's what this phrase is talking about. Again, you see it all over the place. Truce breakers, people who are unforgiving, unwilling to forgive. False accusers, people that promote quarreling. That you, you, have you ever? Do, do you know anybody that like this? I know a few that like to get an argument going and then they stop. They they back up and let everybody argue. That that's that's what this is talking about. They just they just like to watch people fight. They're the instigators, the false accusers. Incontinent means to have no self-control. Fierce, brutal, or savage people. Despisers of those that are good. Uh, literally means th those that hate anything that has to do with God. We see it all over the place. Traitors. People willing to abandon friends for a variety of reasons. Heady. Uh, are, are impulsive or hot-headed, high-minded, uh, to be conceited. Everything has to be about me. 
lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That's obviously self-explanatory. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Again, that's self-explanatory. People who are, who are saying one thing, but living a double life. God says, those people turn away from. God's timetable is important for us as believers to understand. So I, I got the, the picture, um, and we're going we're gonna to go through this again. This is just a, a basic timetable. It, it, it is far, much more complex than this, but this is just a basic timetable, uh, starting with the cross. Obviously, that's the, the, the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. And then over to letter C, the rapture of the church. The period between A and C is, is called the, 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 the church age. Um, and then the rapture happens, the Bema uh, seat of Christ, and then the second coming of Christ. From the letter C to E is the tribulation period. Uh, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And then after that, you have the thousand-year millennial reign then the last judgment, and then eternity. So this is, again, this is a simplified version of the end times. <clears throat> but the rapture of the church can happen at any time. It could happen right now. My question to you, are you ready for it? I hope you are. Last uh, Two weeks ago, we talked about the rapture, and uh, we, we we two verses, or, or excuse me, two passages we looked at in Matthew chapter 24, uh, verses 35 to 37, said, "Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour, no man, uh, no no no. Hmm, I'm trying to read too fast. Excuse me. But of that day and hour." Knoweth no man, no, nor angel of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah, or Noah were, so were also the coming of the Son of Man be. Matthew chapter 24, verse 44. Watch, watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the hour of the Lord doth come. So we do not know. It is impossible to know. So we're going to talk this morning, point number two. Last two weeks ago, uh, we, uh, point number one was the rapture. Point number two this morning is we're going to talk about the Antichrist. Uh, the Antichrist. <clears throat> there is, again, t turn over to 2 Thessalonians, <clears throat> if you would. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Um, there is a lot of controversy uh, over the uh, Antichrist, and we're going to... I'm hopefully going to be able to answer some of those questions for you this morning. But interestingly, Paul never calls the Antichrist the Antichrist. Uh, that, that title is actually given to him by John, the Apostle John. In uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, uh, <clears throat> John writes, The uh, little children, uh, it is the last time, and as ye have heard, that the Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know 
that it is the last day, the last time. So even in the first century church, there were people that were claiming to be the Antichrist. Now, if you were to get, well, I don't want to get there yet. I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, but the word anti, the Antichrist, the word anti means to be against or to be instead of. So the whole purpose of the Antichrist is to be against or instead of Christ, because the whole goal of the Antichrist is to be worshipped. That is the whole goal of the Antichrist. So he wants to be worshipped <clears throat> instead of Christ. Paul calls him uh, the man of sin, the son of perdition, or the son of destruction, uh, the lawless one. <clears throat> I've been asked periodically, in fact, I was asked just yesterday, um, <clears throat> uh, uh, who I thought the Antichrist was going to be. Now, <clears throat> again, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but every time a new political leader comes out, because the, the, let me say this, the, the, the Antichrist will be a political person, okay, just, just saying that, okay? If you didn't know that, the Antichrist will be a political person. So every time we have an election, <clears throat> the, the question is, is this going to be the Antichrist? Well, let me tell you this. The, I can tell you for sure, absolutely for sure, that the Antichrist will not be from the United States. Period. Okay? So if you were to do a search... On Google, in fact, I did this just to see what would happen. Who is the Antichrist? On, I mean, the, the, your computer will, one thing, it'll explode. <clears throat> but it, it, it starts off with Donald Trump. And then, and then Barack Obama. And, and one of the most famous uh, 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 Antichrists was Hitler uh, during World War II. Many, many Christians thought that Hitler was the Antichrist. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, <clears throat> he will be a political leader. But what do we know? Okay, we, we know for a fact that he will not be for the United States. So anytime we have an election, just put that out of your mind. It, it, it ain't going to happen. <clears throat> but what do we know about the Antichrist? And I want to share a couple of things. I, and again, we could, I could spend weeks teaching on this, but I want to give you some, some very precise things that you, we can know about the Antichrist. Number one is that he is a peacemaker. Okay, he will, he will, he will come into power being a peacemaker. Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And I saw the Lamb open one of the seals and heard, as it were, the voice of thunder. One of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. Okay, that's significant. Why is the white horse significant? Okay, what, what will Christ be riding at the end of the tribulation? A white horse. So, so, so here the Antichrist will be riding a white horse, and he sat, uh, uh, and he sat on him with a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth 
uh, conquering and to conquer. So most theologians believe that the Antichrist will be on the scene or will be alive prior to the rapture of the church. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay. So most theologians that I've ever read, uh, in fact, everyone that I've read that I can remember, believes that the Antichrist will be alive and on the scene prior to the rapture. He will be a peaceful leader. Uh, He will uh, unite ten European nations to be a strong power in Europe, a a united Europe. And uh, back a few years ago when uh, the the European Union uh, formed, everybody thought, oh, he's here. Well, he's not here yet. But that is what he's going to do. He's going to unite ten nations of Europe. We know this because of Revelation chapter 17, verses 12 and 13. And the ten horns which thou uh, sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings uh, one hour with the beast. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. So the beast here is referring to the Antichrist. He will be riding a white horse, um, uh, imitating Christ. So how do we know that he will be a peacemaker? That, that's an important question. How do we know? And it's, it's, really, it's really quite simple because in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 2, it says that he'll be riding a white horse with a bow in his hand. The bow is a symbol of power, but there are no arrows in his other hand. Okay, so what that means is, what president of ours was it? Teddy Roosevelt that said, walk softly and carry a big stick? That's kind of the that's will be kind of the mentality. He will have the power and the strength, but he will do it peacefully. He he will he will conquer the ten nations of Europe peacefully, but he'll do it with power. Does that make sense? So he'll he'll he will have the illusion of being a peaceful leader. He will bring a period of peace to the earth. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. But of, but of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that in the day of the Lord, uh, <clears throat> that the day of the Lord so cometh as a, as a thief in the night. And when they shall say, Peace and safety. Then suddenly destruction cometh unto them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. So again, there will be a period of peace. The, the, the Antichrist will take over power. Um, the, 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 one world, the one world government, the one world church will, will come into play there. Um, <clears throat> all of these things. And... Uh, <clears throat> 
it is very likely, it is very likely that people who are alive when the Antichrist is revealed will be surprised. You're not, most people that will be alive at the time will, will not be, ah, I knew that was him. It will be a huge surprise. It will, it, will, it will take people back. It will say, wow, you're kidding me. So, so if you're, um, you know, you, I, I, did some, I did some research. And uh, how many of you have heard of Martin Luther? Okay, Martin Luther is a famous, uh, uh, what, what I just lost it, um, Reformation. He, 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 he was a reformer, came out in the Reformation period. In fact, he started the Reformation period. Um, anyway. Martin Luther was was absolutely convinced, he wrote about this, that he was absolutely convinced that the Pope of the day was the Antichrist. Which that can't happen, by the way, according to Scripture. But anyway, um, as I sat and I thought about it, I thought, you know, if if in the 21st century we we are consumed with who is the Antichrist? Is it is it Barack Obama or President Trump or or this person or that person, Hitler? Or, you know, I mean, we could come up with names. You know, uh, do you think that the first century believers did the same thing? Oh, it's got to be Caesar. Oh, it's got to be this person. It's got to be that. You, you know what? The, the reality is, if you understand Scripture, that that the Antichrist is going to be somebody that, that when he is finally revealed, everybody is going to go, wow. You're kidding. We should not speculate on who the Antichrist is going to be. We should focus on what the Bible says. So, <clears throat> number one, he'll be a peacemaker. Number two, He'll be a peace breaker. Okay, uh, Daniel chapter nine, verse twenty-seven, and it shall, uh, and he shall confirm the covenant. There's the covenant. Okay, the seven-year covenant with Israel, and he's going to confirm the covenant with many, uh, with many for uh, one week, uh, and in the midst of the week. Okay, let me let me stop here for a second. Prophetic, prophetic information here. One week is defined by how many years? Seven years. Okay, so in Daniel, when he's talking about a week, he's talking about seven years. So he says that the seven-year covenant will be confirmed by the Antichrist. And in the midst of the, of the week, or in the three and a half years, into the covenant he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease in other words three and a half years into the tribulation he'll break the covenant uh, and for an uh, overspread of the uh, abomination he shall make it desolate even until the consummation uh, and that uh, determined uh, <clears throat> shall be poured out uh, 
upon the desolation. So halfway through the tri tribulation period, the Antichrist will break the covenant and he will cease to be the peacemaker and he will become the peace breaker. And his true character will then be revealed. He'll go into Israel, he'll take over the temple, and he will force people to worship him. That, who the, that is who the Antichrist is. That is the whole purpose of the, 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 the seven-year covenant to begin with, because he knows that halfway through he's going to break it and he's going to force people to worship him. <clears throat> Just as Satan's goal is to destroy Christians today, the Antichrist's goal will be to destroy people particularly the nation of Israel. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 tells us just how far Satan will go to destroy your life. It says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I'm here to tell you something. Satan has no desire to ruin, to ruin your day. He has a desire to destroy your life. So if you're having a bad day, it's not Satan's fault. More than likely, it's your fault. You're just not walking with God. Just saying. Because Satan's desire is to destroy you. And, and the Antichrist will have the exact same desire. Letter C. Not only is he a peacemaker, peacebreaker, but he is also a persecutor. He's a persecutor. Revelation chapter 13, verses 15 and following. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that many uh, as would worship the image of the beast should, uh, excuse me, not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he caused, causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive the mark in their right hand and on their forehead, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, <clears throat> back many years ago, people, Christians, did not understand how in the world this could happen. But we know today with technology, it's really pretty simple. In fact, they are already uh, offering to embed children with chips. I mean, you can, those of you that have dogs, my dog has a chip in, in its back. I mean, it, it, the, the, the technology is there. Satan will vent his wrath at the nation of Israel. And it's going to get really, really bad. 
And the other thing that the Antichrist will do is he, because of him being a political leader, he'll somehow take control, ultimate control of the world's economy. And anybody who does not have the mark of the beast will not be able to buy or sell anything. Thus meaning that people who refuse to bow down to the beast or to the Antichrist will have a hard time. Many people will probably starve to death. Many people will will be tortured, and, and as we read, many people will be killed for not bowing down. Believers, by the scores, will be saved, but they will not bow down to the beast. <clears throat> now, And the synopsis here, in a, as, as, as quickly as I could, I, I kind of gave you an, an, an outline of what the Antichrist is. But I want, I want to stop for a minute, and, and I, I, I need to ask another question. And, that, and that, this, is, this is the last point, this letter D. What's the point? What's the point? Why, why do we know this information. Do, do we need to know this information? Absolutely we need to know it. <clears throat> Why do we need to know it? So that we can f- try and figure out who it is? No, because we won't know. Do we have this information so that we can try and come up with a prophetic calendar so we can write a book and become a millionaire? No, that, that's not the point. So we have to ask ourselves, what is the point? And, and quite, quite honestly, the point is right in front of us. And we, we miss it way too often. The point was in the, ver- the, the passage that we read at the beginning. Turn back, if you would, to 2 Timothy Chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, this is the point. Let me read it again. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the <clears throat> excuse me, denying the power thereof. There's your answer. People. The answer is people. People that need God. You know, we read, at least I can only say for myself, I I have read this passage in 2 Timothy countless times. 
And I look at this, I look at this passage and I said, yes, those people are alive today. Those people describe, this passage describes our world today. But have you stopped to realize that every one of these characteristics describes some person that needs God? Why do we have this information about the end times, about the rapture and the antichrist and the the second coming and the millennial reign and all this stuff? So that we are motivated to reach a lost world. There are people around us that desperately need God who are lost. Every one of these characteristics describes a real person that desperately needs God. As I defined them earlier, now don't raise your hand. I want you to ask yourself this question. As I defined those words earlier, how many of you, as not on each one, but many of them, how many of you saw faces attached to each of those words and descriptions. We are all guilty. We all know people that fell into those categories, do we not? What have you done to reach them? People need the Lord. Let me say that again. People need the Lord. I'm going to keep saying it until you guys agree with me, okay? People need the Lord. People need hope too. And our hope is in the Lord. And the amazing thing is, people want hope. People want the Lord. All you need to do is share Him. Nineteen oh four. A guy named William Borden, heir to the Borden Darius. How many of you have ever bought? canned milk, okay? Same same family, okay? I don't know if it's still owned by the family. I don't know. But anyway, William Borden, 1904, graduated from high school in Chicago. When he graduated from high school, he all was already a millionaire. Now, this is 1904 millionaire, okay? <clears throat> His parents, for a graduation present, gave him a trip around the world. Now, isn't that cool? Mom, why didn't I get that? Okay. Yeah, well, there you go. There you go. Yeah, join the Navy, see the world. I did. Um, But uh, traveling through Asia and the Middle East and Europe gave Borden a burden for the world's hurting people. Writing home, he said this, 
I'm going to give my life to prepare for the mission field. When he made his decision, he wrote in the back of his Bible two words, no reserves. Turning down uh, a high school uh, paying job offer, uh, excuse me, high school, turning down a high paying job offer, um, he went to Yale University. Now let me say this. In 1904, Yale University was a Christian college, a good Christian college, okay? Just saying. Um, I wouldn't go there now. Um, After graduating from Yale, he wrote two more words in the back of his Bible. No retreats. Completing studies at Princeton, which was also, well, at the time was a seminary, Borden sailed for China to work with the Muslims. Stopping first in Europe for preparation, while there, he was stricken with cerebral, that, meningitis, and died within months. A waste, you say? Not in God's plan. After his death, they looked into his Bible and they found six words written in the back of his Bible. No reserves. No retreats. No regrets. As I prayed and sought God's wisdom over this message this morning, I thought of this story that I've shared with you before. And I thought, as I looked at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and I saw faces of people that I knew that fit some of these categories. I asked myself, do I have any reserves or regrets? People that I should have witnessed to that I haven't? People that I have probably should have shared Christ with but can no longer share Christ with because they're no longer here. I want to challenge us this morning in closing. Are you living with reserves? Is there a part of your life that you're holding back? God doesn't want part of your life. He wants all of your life. Are you holding back this morning? Have you you retreated in some areas in your life? I know I've gone through seasons in my life where I haven't always walked with God the way I should. But more importantly this morning, do you have any regrets? 
on the chart that we put up earlier. Can you can you put that up again, Chris? Is that would that be all right? I want to I want you to look at one very important thing here. This thing right here. The last judgment. Now the truth is we all know people who are not saved. And they're going to be going through this last judgment. And I could be wrong what I'm about to say. I could be wrong, but I believe with all my heart that the lost people that I know at that last judgment will have an opportunity to point their finger at me and say, you never told me. Why didn't you tell me? Do you have any regrets? Are there people in your life that need hope? If you know the Lord this morning, you have hope. What are you doing about it? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day.